So in this episode of Texas, I'm going to be telling you why cyber baddies love the little guys and give you 10 reasons why cyber criminals prefer smaller businesses rather than the big businesses. But first up, I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT services buyer's guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyer's guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download. And this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential IT partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing IT company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the IT support services that you are being offered. Now, let's get back to the episode. So earlier this week, I was on my travels down south. I was at a golf resort called The Mirror, which is just south of Manchester, kind of between Manchester and Liverpool. And I was down there talking at an event on cybersecurity for the automotive sector, specifically for accident repair centers or body shops, whatever you want to call them. And I've been down there a few times before. In fact, last year when I was down there for a golf day, Sir Alex Ferguson and Sam Allardyce flew in in a private helicopter and landed on the 18th green and came in and sat and watched the Liverpool Champions League game. Of course, he wasn't supporting Liverpool. And it was one of those kind of like bizarre moments where, what's going on? Where's this helicopter coming from? And then, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson rolls out. And he'd been away over in Dublin watching the horse racing. Is it the Gold Cup? I think it's maybe on over there. I'm not sure what it was. I'm not into horse racing. But that's what he was away doing. And anyway, he came back and enjoyed the football and a couple of beers in the bar. And, you know, going down to do a specific event for a specific industry is actually easier than giving generic advice. Because when you're talking to a specific audience, you can actually be very specific. Specific is going to be the word of this podcast. And you're going to hear it quite a lot. But it's much easier to give advice when you know exactly the industry and exactly the type of business you're speaking to. Because we know the IT systems and the tools and the systems and things that they have. And we know how those businesses work. And because we've got those businesses as our clients. So we completely understand those businesses. And off the back of that, what I wanted to do today was to give advice, which isn't going to be specific, but is going to cover majority of small and medium-sized businesses out there and that advice is to help you understand why you'll be a target for cyber criminals because let's be honest we don't see as many big companies being hacked these days we do still see some of course we've seen Arnold Clark there's one in the automotive sector and the reason for this is because big companies are becoming a lot more switched on right they have budgets, they have the cybersecurity teams now, they have the things in place because they know that they have been the target for many years but they've decided to do something about it. They don't want to be a target. Cyber criminals then have to change the tack and basically they're going after the small and medium sized businesses but one of the things that I do at our Cyber Lunch and Learn events is we talk about cyber mythbusters and basically that whole segment is to break down and destroy all the beliefs that you might have 
about cybercrime and cyber attacks that you use to convince yourself as to why this isn't a problem and why you shouldn't be doing something about it in your business. So what I'm going to do is kind of give you 10 points as to why your business is a great target for cyber criminals. So the first one is probably quite obvious is that you've limited cybersecurity resources. Most small and medium-sized businesses just don't have the budget and the funds to invest in more advanced cybersecurity systems, right? You're not going to employ cybersecurity professionals. You're not going to be able to afford the best cybersecurity tools and protection out there. So that alone is going to make you far more vulnerable than the larger organizations that can go and hire a whole team of people to do this. You probably rely on your current IT provider, or if you're a slightly larger business, you may have an internal IT resource. But let's be honest, it's unlikely that that person has the cybersecurity resources and experience to help protect your business. Point two is that if you're relying on your internal IT resource or your external IT provider, you might just be assuming that they've got cybersecurity taken care of. And quite often that's not the case. And most businesses will find that out after they've had an attack. So actually one of the number one reasons as to why businesses leave their current IT provider is because they distrust in their ability to help protect them from cyber attacks. But it usually happens after an attack. It would be way better if you actually made that decision and you found that out before an attack happened, of course. Then you could move your business to a new provider who could help prevent something bad from happening. Point three is underestimating the threat. So a lot of small and medium businesses just believe they're not at risk because they assume that cyber criminals are only targeting larger businesses or that they don't have anything of value. I hear that quite a lot from small businesses. But of course, the cyber criminals want you to think that. They want you to think that it's not going to happen to you because if you believe that, you're not going to do anything to protect yourself. And if you're not protecting yourself, then you're leaving yourself open and vulnerable. And of course, cyber criminals want this mind game with you to think that we're not coming after you. We're only going after the big companies. You've got nothing to worry about. Of course, if you think that, then you're not going to do anything about it. Point four. Point four, valuable data. I hear all the time small businesses saying, yeah, but we don't have much valuable data. We don't have anything that anyone would want to steal. Underestimating the value of your data is a big mistake. Most businesses will handle sensitive information. Even if you don't store personal data on customers, you're going to have personal data on your staff. You have a responsibility to protect your staff's personal data. There's a story actually a couple of years back now where NASA, yeah, the NASA, the people that you know send rockets to the, well, they don't go to the moon anymore, do they? Or they're going back to the moon. I can't remember. I can't keep up with it. But anyway, you know who I'm talking about. NASA had a server which had a database on it and it had personal details, social security numbers and things of ex-members of employees. I think it was about 2,000 employees' records. That database got breached and they didn't know whether the data was actually exposed or anything else, but they have a duty of care to protect even ex-employees. So what NASA had to do was then take out basically identity theft monitoring protection for all those 2,000 employees, which I think cost them several millions of dollars to actually put this in place. So 
even if you have data on your employees, that is still personal data, valuable data, and you have a duty of care to make sure you, you protect that information. But remember that cyber criminals don't often want your data. Yeah, your data might have no value to them. So what do they want to do? Well, they want to stop you from accessing your data. So you might have heard of ransomware, and that's effectively what you know we're talking about here, where they will encrypt, effectively lock down, lock access to your data, and then ask you to pay a ransom to get access to that data. If you don't have the right systems in place to make sure you can get yourself out of that, you might find yourself having to pay a ransom. And the statistics, I think it's about 75% of businesses that pay a ransom once will end up paying a ransom again because cyber criminals know you're a soft target. You've paid once, you were unprotected. And guess what? Most businesses actually don't really invest in their cybersecurity after a ransomware attack. People see it as a bit of a blip. You know, they'll pay it, go, yeah, that happened, that's done and dusted now. And then because they've paid out the money, they then maybe don't have then the money to then invest in making the security better. So fast forward a couple of weeks, couple of months, and they get hit again by the same attack because they haven't actually bothered to close the doors and actually put the protection in place. So yeah, don't underestimate the value of your data because it's one of these things that until you don't have access to it, you maybe don't appreciate what you actually have. So point five is less training and awareness. This is one thing I spoke about the other day as well. When I asked for a show of hands in the room, I asked who is training their staff on cybersecurity? Not a single hand went up. And my point is that you can provide cybersecurity training and awareness for your staff for less than it would cost you to go and buy them a cup of coffee from Starbucks every month. Literally from a few pounds per month, you can start a security awareness program. So making sure that your staff are aware of these things. Because again, most people just assume our IT company's got this taken care of. They just chuck cyber into the IT bucket, right? And it just becomes a thing. Because when you're paying your IT company, you know, hundreds of pounds a month or whatever for support and services, you just assume and want them to sort cyber because it's much easier for you to just shift it to them. Whereas the reality is they're probably not doing very much. And like I always say to businesses, if it's not on an invoice, it isn't happening. You want to make sure that staff are vigilant, staff are getting some training. And actually, like I just said, cybersecurity awareness training is actually one of the cheapest and easiest to implement cybersecurity measures that you can put in place. And actually, you could argue that it's probably one of the most effective because phishing and social engineering beats all technology, right? When that phishing email has got through your email filter and it gets to Susan and accounts, guess who's going to be the one that, to protect your business at that point? Susan. And if Susan's not aware of how she's been phished or be able to find out whether that email is a scam or not, you're putting all your cybersecurity response on that member of staff. And it's not going to help you if she's not had any training. So that's definitely first thing I would put in place. Number six is supply chain attacks. So if you're a big business and you've got lots of small suppliers, then you're at risk because of your supply chain. As I said earlier, it's unlikely that cyber criminals are going to target your business because they're going to make an assumption that you're a big business, you've got budget for this, you've got cybersecurity teams, and you know, you've got this taken care of. They're going to try and find a way in through your smaller suppliers. But because on this episode we're talking 
to you guys out there, the small and medium-sized businesses, you are part of that supply chain. So CyberCurl is going to look at your business as a route to, or an entry point for attacking a larger business, maybe one of your customers. If you've got a list of customers that you work with on your website, so you're a small business, you say, hey, we are delighted and proud to work with all these big companies, right? Well, you're basically making yourself a target because cyber criminals will do the research. They're going to see that you work for a big company and chances are you're not got the same security in place. So they might try and target you as think of this as like kind of island hopping, you know, kind of get onto the small island and kind of like hop your way along so you kind of get to the bigger one. So basically looking for that weakest link in the chain. Number seven is lack of backup and recovery protocols. Most small businesses, if you ask them, and I speak to small businesses all the time, and I say, tell me about your backup. And they go, yeah, we've got one. And quite often, that's all they know. They just know they have some sort of backup service. It's on an invoice from their IT company every month, but they know very little beyond that. So they might not understand that there's different levels to the backup game, right? You know, there's everything from, yeah, we just, you know, once a week we copy everything onto this USB stick and, you know, someone sticks it in their bag and takes it home at the weekend to having cloud backup, site-to-site backup, all sorts of things. One of the most important things about backup, though, these days is that your backup can be ransomware-proof, so effectively air-gapped, because a lot of businesses are you know, especially if you've still got on-premise servers, you may have USB drives plugged into your server that everyone swaps kind of once a day. But anything that's plugged into your server is going to get encrypted in a ransomware attack too. So if you've got local backups and you don't have a cloud backup, if that server gets hit with ransomware, then your backup's screwed. You don't have a backup. And then you're down to the point of saying, well, we're going to have to pay the ransom to get access to the data. Usually when you see stories in the news about companies where they've been hit with ransomware, and they've had to pay the ransom. The only reason they paid the ransom is because they didn't have the right backup system in place to be able to recover from it. Because if you can recover your data, you don't need to pay the ransom. But a lot of businesses find out during the attack that they go, oh shit, our backup's been screwed as well. And we can't actually recover the data. So again, you want to make sure you've got the right backup systems in place that is going to help you in these situations before it's too late. Number eight is faster return on investment for cyber criminals. It's much quicker and more straightforward to compromise several small and medium businesses than it is spending a long time trying to reach a larger organization that has much more sophisticated defenses, right? Yes, they're not going to be able to get a million pounds out of your business, like they might out of a huge multinational organization, but they don't need to. All they need to do is get 10 grand out of 100 businesses. So it's about quantity and they can do this thing, these things much faster because big companies don't move quickly. If you deal with a big company in your business, you're going to know they don't move quickly. So compromising lots of smaller businesses is much easier for them to do. And number nine is lack of incident response plans. So most small and medium businesses that we start working with don't have a proper incident response plan in place, which means you might not have the ability to detect breaches promptly. And it might mean that cyber criminals can kind of get into your business and stay there undetected for longer periods. Because the whole goal of 
a cyber criminal hacker once again to your business and your network is to remain undetected, right? It's like I always say, if someone breaks into your house at three o'clock in the morning, they don't start playing drums and pots and pans, right? They move quietly, right? They don't want to make a noise because they don't want to wake you up because they want to stay in there as long as possible because they might not know where you're keeping, you know, your gold nuggets. You know, they've got to try and find that out, which means they need as much time in your house as possible in order to find out where the valuable stuff is, okay? Because you could say, yeah, they'll nick my big screen TV, but why? TVs are big these days. It's not very easy to get out of a window, right? If you can grab a handful of jewelry, it's much more valuable, right? Stick it in your pocket. But they need time to figure that out. So cyber criminals want to remain undetected for longer periods of time. And having a response plan for what happens and how you, you know detect these things and respond to it is really important because it comes down to even the communications. If you ask most businesses and ask yourself this, if you have a cyber attack on Monday morning, what are you going to do? You, most people would say, I'll just call my IT company. Yeah, but what are they going to do? And what's going to happen when you know it gets to you know nine o'clock and your phone lines open and your customers start calling you and you can't process anything in your business because you've got a cyber attack? It only takes one member of staff to tell a customer, oh yeah, we've actually been hit by a cyber attack or something's happened and then the news is out then what happens when the local press reporter phones up and starts asking questions oh we hear you've been you know hit by a cyber attack you know the reputational damage all this stuff is included in an incident response plan it's not just about technology it's not just about recovering from data and don't have time to go into in this episode but an incident response plan for cyber attack is not the same as a disaster recovery plan for just recovering your data is way much more to it than that we have a number of certified incident response handlers on our team at m3 who are all qualified to work with businesses to help create incident response plans for customers so that's something you don't have in your business you may want to go and ask your it company if that's something that they can do if not then you definitely need to be speaking to a cyber specialist who actually knows how to do this stuff. And finally, point 10 is compliance and regulation. A lot of small businesses are not fully compliant with regulations about data protection, things like that. Quite often, you don't have to be if you're a certain size. Most compliance for small businesses is going to come around things like cyber essentials are you being asked for cyber essentials by your customers and if you've got some big customers they're probably going to be the ones that push this down on you but what i tend to see is that the smaller businesses only tend to meet compliance and meet regulations when they're asked to do it typically asked to do it by someone that's paying them money so a work provider or something like that but the bigger companies will actually work better on compliance and regulation standards just off their own back because they're big companies, right? For example, we have ISO 9001. No one asked us to get ISO 9001. ISO 9001 is quite a lot of work to implement. It costs us quite a bit of money to maintain. Why did we do it? Because we knew that as we've grown, our customers have become bigger customers, bigger businesses who have these standards too. And bigger companies like to work with bigger companies and they expect these things. So, yes, not many IT companies have standards like ISO 9001. We do because, one, we want to set ourselves apart, and two, we want to align ourselves with the type of business that we want to work with. So, compliance and regulation is a big thing. 
it's coming more and more, especially through the supply chain. Again, if you are a small business who has big customers or you might just have one huge big customer that most of your business comes from, they're definitely going to start pushing more regulation and compliance on your business. And of course, it's always better to have these things in place before someone asks you for it. We literally, a few weeks ago, got a request from a customer who had to have cyber essentials for a contract or for a tender. And they're like, yeah, we need it. We're like, yeah, fine. No problem. We can get that. They're like, yeah, but we need it by like five o'clock tomorrow. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, we think we can do that. We'll drop a few things and we'll make sure we get you sorted. And we did. We turned it around that quickly for them. Now, we don't want to work like that. We don't have to be worked to those kind of deadlines. But, you know, and it's not the first time, I'll be honest, that we've had to kind of turn something around for something that quickly. So I hope that's helped. Like I said earlier, this is kind of advice that covers all businesses because every business has the same kind of IT tools in place, right? We all have email, we all have data, we all have Wi-Fi, we all have computers, we all have people, we all have humans kind of driving these things. These events, I always talk about Susan and accounts and I know it's a stereotype and we are looking at these things as a bit of a stereotype, but let's be honest, we all know who we're talking about. When I did this event the other day down south, and I had on my screen and I was talking about phishing and, and I gave examples of the type of people we would target. I've got Susan and accounts, such and such, such and such. And pretty much all the people there were like, oh yeah, we, we've got one of them in our business. Like we, they're not being called Susan, but they know who we're talking about. It's that type of person. Yeah, we've all got the same kind of people. We've all got the same generic type of systems. And that probably accounts for, I would say like 80% of technology within a business. All the advice I've given applies to all businesses. And all businesses, I would say, share about 80% of the same tech. The last 20% is the the stuff that's specific to you, the industry-specific tools that you use or the specific tools that you have in your business. So if you're a dental practice and you've got practice management software, that makes your business unique as a dentist compared to a construction company. And you might have a custom piece of software that you've had developed just for your business, which makes you, again, even more unique. So... It's just that kind of top 20% of those line of business applications that actually make you different from everyone else. Because for us as as IT professionals, we know that all businesses to a point have the same tech in place. It's only the small things that make a difference. So it doesn't really make a difference where, you know, you're a construction company, where you're a dentist, uh, an insurance company or a legal firm, whatever. I've been in situations where we're going out to see a new customer and they are in, in an industry that we don't have any other customers in. And people will say, do you have any other customers that do what we do in our industry? And I say, no, it doesn't matter because your computers are no different. Your Wi-Fi network's no different. And probably 80% of the systems that you use are the same as what all of our other customers use. Everyone likes to think their business is unique, but from an IT point of view, you're not as unique as what you might think. All the advice I've given you in this episode and all the things I've given you to think about applies to anyone that's listening to this. But what I would say is if you do want specific advice for your industry or for your business, that's when you need to have a discussion with someone who can actually sit down, look at your business, do a bit of a cyber health check on your business and give you some specific advice. If you'd like a quick chat with me, about anything I've discussed in this episode, or you have a specific question about any aspect of your IT or cybersecurity, you can book a call in my diary. Just head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash meetmark. 
And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app for future episodes where I'll dive deeper into other IT and cyber related topics. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.